1: Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's
0: brought in part by the
2: good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website. Is Naples Illustrated.com. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Well, She is our state senator. She'll be joining us. We'll visit with Boo Mortenson. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. We'll be talking about uh, the growth of government, the anticipated the aspired growth of government under the progressive movement, and we'll visit with Jack Wirt. He is the executive director of the Naples Marco Island Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. It is April the 7th, and on this day in 1994, violence fueled the launch of what could become the worst episode of genocide since World War II. uh, This is just a horrible uh, series of events. Uh, The massacre of an estimated 500,000 to 1 million innocent civilian Tutsis and moderate Hutus followed the first wave of massacres, Rwandan forces managed to discourage international intervention with the murder of 10 Belgian peacekeeping officers. The Tutsis, a minority group that made up about 10% of Rwanda's population, received no assistance from the international community, although the United Nations later conceded that a mere 5,000 soldiers deployed at the outset would have stopped the wholesale slaughter altogether. The immediate roots of the uh, 1994 genocide dated back to the early 90s when President of uh, Hutu began using anti-Tutsi rhetoric to consolidate his power among the Hutus, among uh, beginning in October 1990, there were several massacres of hundreds of Tutsis, although the two ethnic groups were very similar, sharing the same language and culture for centuries. The law required registration based on ethnicity. The government and the army began to assemble the uh, group, uh, the uh, meaning there's a word that those who attacked together and prepared for elimination of the Tutsis by arming Hutus with guns and machetes. In January 1994, the United Nations forces in Rwanda warned the larger massacre was imminent. Well, it all happened. It was a terrible massacre. Uh, and uh, Actually, Susan Susan Wilson, who is a medical doctor on our show, uh, has been uh, in neighboring country uh, to Rwanda. And uh, a lot of the kids there have no mothers. Uh, They were killed. Uh, They are are actually orphans. Many of them have AIDS. And as a result of these uh, people who left Rwanda and came into this neighboring country, unbelievable. Anyhow, after more than three weeks, Charlie McDonald, you know Charlie. He's uh, been to many social events, all all the charity events. Charlie's there taking pictures while he's in self-isolation inside his home now. He's the first person I truly know that has... Uh, COVID-19. He's got about another week to go and he's just fine with it. His fever broke sometime last week. His energy levels are back to normal. But the uh, Naples area event photographer uh, was among the earliest diagnosed with a case of COVID-19. Uh, he still has a lingering cough because that he still worries that he still could be shedding the virus. Anyhow, he spent a lot of time inside. He's got the most out of it. He says, we're just busy with our lives all the time. And it's go, go, go with many sort of type A professionals like me, McDonald said. A huge lesson to be learned is, hey, take a breath, relax, smell the roses. Because I did finally get my smell back after two and a half weeks. I've heard about people losing their sense of smell. Anyhow, Charlie's the first guy who I know who got it. And uh, he's very outgoing, very friendly guy. I can't wait to get back out there and donate plasma as often as they want it, to harvest the antibodies and try to help other people. And you may be aware that uh, the plasma from people who've recovered from COVID-19 can help others uh, recover as well. Well, a Democrat Michigan state lawmaker has credited President Trump's publicizing of the anti-malarial drug uh, hydrochloroquine, I think I pronounced that correctly, with saving her life after the health plummeted when she contracted coronavirus. Uh, her name is Karen Whitsitt of Detroit. She, she said that on Monday that it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Trump pushing the drug through the Food and Drug Administration's approval process for off-label use and touting it repeatedly during his press conference briefing, she may not have made it through the terrible contagion. I really want to say thank you to give me th- this opportunity, she said. For me, it saved my life. I can only uh, go by what it is. That is, I've gone through and what my story is, and I can't speak for anybody else, so that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm only speaking for myself, she said, and she recovered, and she's extremely grateful, of course, to the President of the United States. And, uh, of course, many people, uh, Trump himself said, I'm going to check with my doctor and see if I can take this stuff, because it may be helpful to other people as well. Well, television journalists think they're making a searing point by endlessly pointing out that the hydrochloroquine has not been 100% proved as effective treatment against the coronavirus. In reality, they're foolishly refuting a claim that no one is making. CNN's John Berman on Monday told White House Trade Director Peter Navarro that he is, in fact, not a medical doctor and is therefore unqualified to treat patients infected with the virus. Well, of course, uh, this woman's uh, testimony just refutes what he said. And, uh, of course, doctors are provided the medicine they can prescribe, it, and it's certainly not Navarro who is prescribing it. While well, the U.K. is facing a leadership crisis, as it heads into the peak of its coronavirus pandemic, with Boris Johnson fighting for his health and intensive care, and his government under pressure to get a grip on the outbreak, the 55-year-old prime minister, was taken to the hospital on Sunday night for routine tests after struggling to shake off COVID-19, but his condition worsened during Monday afternoon. Uh, Johnson was receiving oxygen treatment at St. Thomas Hospital in London to help his breathing, but was conscious and not on a ventilator, officials said. Foreign Secretary uh, Dominic Rabb is now deputizing uh, for Johnson. Uh, Johnson's fiancée, Carrie Simons, who is pregnant, also has symptoms of the virus and has been isolating. So President uh, Trump yesterday in his uh, briefing was very concerned about his health. And certainly if you go go into ICU, that's a problem. If you're on oxygen, that's a problem. Hopefully he'll make it through this. Uh, He's certainly the one who's led uh, the Brexit movement, and uh, he's got a lot of work to do. His leadership means a lot in Great Britain. Well, investors have been waiting anxiously for signs that the rate of infections may be hitting its peak, which would soon give some clarity about how long the upcoming recession will last and how deep it will be. Without that, markets have been guessing about how long businesses will remain shut down, companies will be laying off workers, and flights remain canceled due to the measures. Well, yesterday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average shot up 1,627 points, or 7.7%, uh, the Nasdaq rose about 7.3%. Uh, the futures are pointing higher right now. Of course, there's a lot of volatility in the markets, but the futures are up about, the Dow Jones Industrial Futures, up about 900 as we're speaking right now. That's great news. And here's some interesting news coming out of the Uh, coronavirus episode. Allstate, one of the largest U.S. auto insurers, said yesterday it would return more than $600 million in premiums to customers as many Americans drive less due to the stay-at-home orders aimed at curbing coronavirus. Most customers will receive a a payback of 15% of their monthly premium in April and May, the company said. That's pretty cool. So uh, some good news for those that are insured by State Farm, all, all State and State Farm actually are doing that. Yesterday we pointed out that government predictions reported the uh, COVID tracking uh, numbers are needed. Uh, the All beds needed 179,000. ICU beds needed 33,000. Evasive ventilators 26,000. Well, the government predictions uh, for April 5th were as follows. Uh, the actual numbers show overestimating uh, of hospitalizations eight times, overestimation of beds needed 6.4 times, and overestimation of ventilators needed 40 times. So uh, and here's what the number now has shown. All beds needed was 179,000, now it's 90,000. ICU beds needed was 33, it's now 70, 17,000, and invasive ventilators was 26,000, now 14,000. They're cutting projections almost by half, and they're still too high. So I expect, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, we're going to see a lot of the materials that have been provided, hospital beds, ventilators, all these things. I suspect many of them will go unused. Well, it's better to err on the side of caution, but irrespective. I think the response here, this has been far too high, and I think the economy is going to come back quickly. And the consequence is, of course, futures are heading high. That's uh, right now investors are seeing on the other side of the mountain they're looking down and they're seeing uh... recovery and i think we can anticipate that sometime i would suspect in may well fresh off the train and only eighteen years of old age al cayne line ran into an immediate roadblock trying to join the detroit tigers he Called up to the majors he could not get past the security guard at briggs stadium i finally convinced him i was the guy who just signed this whopping enormous sum this bonus of thousand dollars now he's only eighteen years of age well, he died, and uh, he had a t- great career with Detroit Tigers. All 22 years with Detroit, uh, Mr. Tiger was 85 years of age. Nothing about coronavirus mentioned in this. I only mentioned this because I had the pleasure of having lunch with Al Kaline and talking to him. What a tremendous guy he was. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've lost uh, Dempsey, the kicker. Remember the great kicker? He kicked the 64-yard uh, field goal and we uh, also lost uh, the great running back for the uh, Washington Redskins as well after uh, now his name slips my mind I'm operating from memory but irrespective a lot of deaths of athletes uh, recently which is really uh, too bad this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples longest established air conditioning company visit johnsonsairconditioning.com also brought to you by Naples Illustrated bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles the website is Illustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadena, our state senator. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Well, for some reason, I'm not getting my... uh, There it is.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
2: I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, Gulf Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community, thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity encourages self-expression and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Shore Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps in the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org.
0: back to the Bob Harton Show, and now here's your
2: host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best, and you can find out more by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Can you hear me well, Kathleen?
3: Um, I have
2: the echo where I hear myself. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry for that. Well, I've been, <laughs> right. I've been working with my wife, Linda, to kind of turn the knobs here and figure out this thing because some people are having difficulty hearing me. So uh, oh, I don't
3: mind listening to myself
2: twice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, so here we are with this coronavirus uh, situation. And uh, of course, uh, the uh, legislature is out of session, session. So your hands are kind of tied right now, aren't they?
3: That's right. A lot of people have been contacting me suggesting that we, uh, you know, pass this kind of law or do this kind of initiative or, or, uh, you know, whatever uh, they think would be helpful, which would be. But um, we cannot act unless we are in session. And uh, we ended our session, you know, a month ago, you know, after passing the budget. So, unless we are called into a special session either by the governor or the president and the speaker, we are really can't act. So uh, under Florida's um, uh, constitution and Florida law, the governor has emergency powers to act, which he has been doing. He's been issuing executive orders uh, for months now. I think he declared a state of emergency uh, the first week in March and, uh, with that state of emergency, then he's been able to um, uh, issue executive orders, which he has been doing regularly.
2: Yeah, he has. And uh, he, I, I first of all want to just applaud the fact that our uh, stay-at-home order from from the uh, governor is pretty lax, in my opinion. In other words, it's not as severe. In California, for example, uh, in one in one area. Uh, if you go onto a golf course uh, all golf courses have been closed until June, if you go on the golf course you're, you could be uh, fined by five thousand <laughs> I mean, dollars. I think this is getting way overboard, but uh the our governor well,
3: here, you know here's the thing that a lot of people are not articulating and i or not thinking it through uh he has laid a broad ground uh work of of you know initiatives that You know, may fall short of being executive order, but people are thinking of the philosophy. And maybe it's, you know, not – I've got to say this. So he's saying, you know, you've got to stay away from others. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You should do this. And people are doing it on their own. People are taking personal responsibility in this state without being told what to do. And you know, he's laid the broad groundwork in his executive orders, and um, people are taking that to heart, are following it. Now, you know, you have issues like the golf courses. By and large, most of them are closed. Yeah. Some of them are open, uh, but people are not, um, you know, having wild golf parties. Yeah. In the state, so I, I think when it's all said and done, the groundwork, the framework that he has laid. And the and the philosophy that he has espoused uh, will um, will show that, that, you know, Florida residents know where we should be and are doing it.
2: I agree with that. In That's, fact, I appreciate the fact that he's given us some leniency to make our own decisions in keeping ourselves safe. None of, you know, it's in our personal self-interest to stay healthy. Nobody wants to get sick purposely right. unless I'm a sane person, but... Now, the point is, even if somebody is uh, acting out of line, we can always avoid that person. So I appreciate the fact the governor is giving us some leniency in decision-making in this process.
3: And, you know, one of the things, and I've been saying this now for several weeks uh, with regard to, you know, the beach closures and the like, um, even though he did not issue an executive order, the local governments have stepped up to the plate, and they have... You know, it's kind of curious to me because I've been in the legislature for nine years and local governments always think, stop telling us what to do. Stop telling us what to do. So the governor is saying, okay, do what you think is best for your, your communities. And they're up in arms. You should tell us what to do. Yeah. Well, but you know what? <clears throat> when they finally get over that, they have stepped up to the plate. Right. And so uh, Collier County and the city of Naples and Fort Myers closed the beaches. Some people say we should have the beaches open so we could walk on the beach, et cetera, et cetera. The problem we have, and, and, and this is the, the point I wanted to make, is uh, we have, in, in order to keep people from coming to Florida to escape uh, you know, the cold up north, which is, you know, was happening earlier in this month, or to escape problems up there, they want to come to Florida. But if there's nothing to do here, they won't come. So I have been saying yes, close the beaches. Yes, close the parks. Yes, close the boat ramps. Don't rent boats to visitors. Don't um, make it. F- don't open golf courses to visitors because if you do that, people will come. Yeah. So we residents need to um, need to just say, okay, we're going to suffer here, and we'll get our exercise by walking because we just don't want to attract people to our beaches, to our parks, etc.
2: Uh, that's a so great point. We're I had even
3: working. Yeah, it's working. Think, think about it. Uh, more people who were here that were renters or seasonal visitors have left because there's nothing here for them. And when the spring breakers were here with the kids that were here, well, they were on the beach. They were saying, well, I'm going to stay here with grandma and grandpa. Why should I go back to up north where uh, there's nothing to do up there because they were shutting down or whatever. So as soon as we shut down, uh, for lack of a better term, fun activities, the grandparents said, go home. Yeah. That would be crazy. and. So they did, and it's working.
2: Yeah, that is a great point, uh, Kathleen. <clears throat> appreciate you bringing that up because it's not just about us. It's about people coming down from Connecticut, to Massachusetts, wherever, and uh, to take, you know, take advantage of our wonderful Paradise Coast. But <clears throat> with that, That's they could be bringing disease. So that is such an interesting point indeed. Uh, Kathleen Pasadomo, again, our state senator, I genuinely appreciate you taking time to come on the show. Any last uh, thoughts for our listeners?
3: Well, I mean, obviously, everybody should stay at home. We all have, you know, we we can't enjoy the lifestyle we had uh, a month ago right now. Stay home. Um, and I think people are doing it. I mean, the streets are empty. The only thing that are not empty are stores. And, and I'm saying if you're going to a grocery store, I like the way they're separating people, et cetera. Be really careful and don't go
2: every day. Yeah, something to do. Well, I got a message uh, yesterday from a friend who said uh, in indoors for the last two weeks and only once to the grocery store. I think that is that's really following the letter of the law or the uh, the order, so to speak. Kathleen, a lot of people are. Yeah, yeah. They, I think when we're, everybody's doing it with a sense of understanding. I, and quite frankly, I have to tell you this, Kathleen, uh, I've, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed my own company, my company of Livenda, and uh, <laughs> slowed down a little bit, cleaned up things a little bit. It's been kind of interesting.
3: Exactly.
2: Exactly. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. You as well, thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, Blue Provence offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. During the governor's stay-at-home notice, Blue Provence is offering pickup curbside takeout options five nights a week, Tuesday through Saturday. To place an order, just call 261-8239 Tuesday through Saturday from 4 to 7 p.m. A 20% discount will be Be applied on all food orders during these unprecedented times. Compliment your order with amazing wines from the Blue Provence Retail Wine Store, offering amazing choice and value. Blue Provence Wine Store is open Monday to Saturday, 9 to 12 p.m. and has one of the most eclectic and fun wine sellers offering 10% off cases. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples.
0: Back to the Bob Harton show. And now, here's your host, Bob Harton.
2: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able bodied folks. Off of welfare and back to work. Well, of course, that's after this coronavirus thing is over. But you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jack Wirt. He is the executive director of the Naples-Marco Island Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. We'll be talking about what comes next for tourism here in Cahillie County. Right now, we have with us Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo, how you doing?
4: Well, you know, it's kind of like I feel like I've been shut in for like a month already, but you know, there's always stuff to do, and and uh, I don't know, I'm I'm keeping pretty occupied. It's, you know, I haven't started, you know, painting a face on a melon and talking to it yet, or <laughs> talking to the oven and expecting an answer. Yeah, I haven't shrunk that far, but that's nah, it's it's okay. But I I will say that we were out on the roads yesterday and. <clears throat> Now you can really see the less
3: traffic.
2: Isn't it the that's so true? I mean, it's uh, I'm amazed when I take a look at uh, in New York, for example. You get that shot during the five of seeing how empty. Madison Avenue is Fifth Avenue. All these, it's and it's a ghost town down here too. There's virtually no cars on the road.
4: No, and you know what I have seen hmm. uh, car carriers.
2: Yeah, me too. It uh, and. Uh, you know, there's nothing to do down here, so people are going back. Although I have to admit, some of the some of the uh, measures that states have taken are pretty austere right now. Uh, in one state I'm aware of, you can only walk around the block. You're not allowed to go more than a block from your home, if you can believe that. Go to the grocery store once a week. So oh, I, I I think our measures that the governor's given us uh, are keeping us safe. Number one, and number two, will give us some decision making uh, ability in the process.
4: Yes. Yeah, it's not nearly as restrictive as some states. And, you know, you've got great weather and, uh, you know, you just sort of have to be creative and, and, you know, enjoy your walks more and the time outside. It's, it's, I don't know, I think it's good. But, you know, it's good. They always say, well, this is really going to change behavior. Let me ask you this is the big thing that's involved with sports. Uh-huh. That the NBA, the, uh, baseball leagues, you know, all the, ba- the, and, NFL you know you 've got these are big arenas with seventy thousand to one hundred thousand fans right are people going to want to go back to that kind of environment, or do you think that there will be so much pent up desire for sports that people will say oh i 'm going back i don 't care what the risk."
2: You know, well, how would how would you react to that? Would you go to a let's suppose it's uh, we're in the middle of May. Uh, we're back to work. Uh, the coronavirus has uh, gone down the other side of the, of the curve, but st- people are still dying and get, having it and that kind of thing. What would you do?
4: I probably wouldn't go. Yeah. i watch it on TV.
2: Well, see, that's my inclination in the first place, is to, my, the best seat in the house is in front of the television, quite frankly, for these sporting events. And right. I think that most sporting events actually get most of their revenue from the te- uh, from TV ads anyhow. so
4: Well, they probably, you know, when it's almost a double-edged sword, do people want to come back? <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to go back to your office where maybe there are, like, say, 500 people. Right. This is, like, 100,000 people. Right. And... Plus, a lot of people are out of work. And tickets to games, to sporting events, are very expensive.
2: Yes, they are. Are people
4: going to have the money? Are they going to spend it on sporting
2: events? So it occurs to me that maybe some of the teams will actually be pre- pre- uh, preempt the entire decision-making process and maybe have events without fans for a period of time, but uh, televise the events. You know, uh, something like that may work out as well. I mean, baseball is the, is the sport that will be affected the most right now, I believe. Football, mm-hmm. perhaps, can start on time in August. And if that happens, then uh, maybe people have moved on. You know, I think people in this country have a short memory.
3: <laughs> you I do, know? too. They'll you know? go back
4: to what we've done before.
2: Yeah. So those that used to go to, uh, I've never big a, been a big uh, attendant event type of thing. I don't enjoy going to sporting events. I prefer to watch them on TV. But, and I do enjoy that quite a bit. So if it were me, I'd just sit in front of the TV.
4: Yeah, it wouldn't change your behavior, but I don't know. You know, a lot of these stadiums are filled. Yeah. So, that's... you know, like the Packers to get tickets, you know, you, you get tickets. It's a generational thing where you hand down tickets. Right. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting, but you're right. Uh, Americans have a short, Short interest span, not Amer- people in general, I think do. and, and uh, it, they're talking about world soccer events over in Europe. Is, how are they going to be affected too? So it's not just the United States, it's really uh, all over the world. But yeah. in, uh, on a different note, somebody yesterday gave me um, four uh, um, paper towels, you know four packages of paper towels, and some masks and some gloves. And I was so thrilled to get those, and I thought, what is wrong? Were you excited to get a mask and
3: gloves?
4: (laughs) I thought, you know, I was as tickled as if somebody had given me a bottle of wine, and I thought, oh, this is just such a strange time in our lives.
2: Uh, It really is. You know, my son got a mask. He was telling me about the mask that he got. I think it was $4.99 of a mask. Got two of them. But I saw this ad for a mask that uh, has uh, uh, special qualities that will keep out coronavirus. And it's made in Israel. The cost of the mask is $50. And uh, you can order them. I, I don't know how long it'll take. But what can amaze me is there is a VAT tax and a shipping charge. The cost of the mask to mask is fifty dollars, but after all the other costs, it's seventy dollars to get the mask.
4: Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because <clears throat> about a week and a half ago, <clears throat> I kind of figured, oh, they're going to end up stipulating that everyone's going to have to wear masks. So I went on Amazon and I ordered just the garden variety, N- nothing special, mm-hmm. nothing just the little cheap paper um, masks. <clears throat> The cost of the masks was cheap, but then they had this huge, it was like $8, maybe say $10. The shipping was 26 And I thought, this is so weird, but I thought, eh, I don't know. So I said, okay, I'll get them. So I ordered them. And then two days ago, my order was canceled.
2: Really? So this that leads me to believe that uh, shipping is a problem, that... Uh you know, maybe the UPS drivers and um, maybe that end of the business is suffering a little bit. I don't I don't know why that would be. That's kind of interesting. My son said his masks were due to be delivered on May the 14th, and he ordered them a couple of days ago. So that's, <laughs> in any case, to me, there's a problem with shipping.
4: Well, uh, shipping, or I figured the reason the order was canceled is that they're not selling any masks to anybody other than, uh, medical people right now.
2: Yeah, that's such an interesting point.
4: And so you can always make your own. You know, there are YouTubes on how you can do it with, uh, a, you know, a cut-up t-shirt and rubber bands.
2: Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I believe that guy's got a t-shirt around his face. <laughs> That's, that's pretty weird.
4: But are you staying in? I mean, are you and Linda, you're not going to the grocery stores, or are you guys
3: pretty much staying in? We're,
2: we're staying in pretty, for the most part. I went out for a nice bike ride yesterday. Linda goes, she walked 8.7 miles yesterday, I know. So, Ooh. yeah, so we're, we're just trying to stay fit and get some exercise, and uh, how about you?
4: Yeah, yeah, I walk in the morning, and then I walk with the dog, and then uh, I've actually been walking on the beach and I I don't know if you can walk on the beach or not. I haven't had anybody arrest me. Yeah. <clears throat> but I don't I, I know you can't sit on the beach, but they're not I'll tell you it's very weird. You look all the way down the beach in one direction and all the way down in the other direction and there's nobody on the beach.
2: Isn't that amazing? It's just amazing what's happened. Hopefully well, we're going to get this. Uh, I personally believe that a lot of the equipment and the beds and everything that the president has worked to, to assemble uh, for this coronavirus epidemic, I think will go unused. I think it's way overhyped. I do believe the virus is extremely contagious. I'm not suggesting we should change our behavior, but I don't think that um, I think a small percentage of the people are going to get truly as sick as Boris Johnson has gotten and have to go into the hospital. I think. I agree. So, uh, but anyhow, I'm just better safe than sorry. Let's get through the through this thing and uh, get this economy back and going.
4: Well, he doesn't want the political black backlash, which he's getting anyway. Yeah. And my feeling is, rather than you know throw darts at what should have been done, what could have been done, why don't you focus on where we are now and how to go forward? And every, I mean, we're all in the same boat. Let's all dip the oars in the same direction, rather than. This constant criticizing. I mean, if she wants to go after him, why don't they put their efforts on? On uh, was this a, uh, a plan? Is it was this a Chinese thing?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, that's what the Democrats do. I mean, if they're out of office, they're you just uh, flapping their gums trying to get <laughs> trying to put down the president. It's not working that well. Boo! I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining yep. us.
4: Stay healthy. All
2: right, you too, Boo. Thank you. All right, coming up. Uh, We're going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
2: As Southwest Florida is impacted by the coronavirus crisis, the organizations that provide relief and support to our community's most vulnerable population are finding their resources stretched. For 32 years, St. Matthew's House has provided food, shelter, and comfort to those struggling with poverty, food insecurity, and homelessness. St. Matthew's House is the only emergency homeless shelter in Kaya County, sheltering more than 300 men, women, and children every night and providing more than 500,000 meals each year to those in need. For those who have shelter but are food insecure, direct assistance is offered through the St. Matthew's House Food Pantry and Grocery Distribution. Donations of food, hygiene supplies, detergent, diapers, and monetary support are needed curbside drop-off is available at St. Matthew's House Main Thrift Store at 2601 Airport Road, South Naples. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization that does not solicit government funding. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org or call 239-774-0500. That's 774-0500.
0: the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
2: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Well, not now because of uh, coronavirus, but uh, the season will be starting soon, and uh, you can find out more by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jack Work, the Executive Director of the Naples-Marco Island Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of traffic terrific organization, Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Thank you very much, sir. How are you?
2: Good, thank you. I'm very well, and I hope you're doing well.
5: Yes, thank
2: you. Excellent. So, Seton, always love your commentary, and I found this. uh, Internet, the left wants to grow government, not the economy. Nothing could be (laughs) more true than what you've just written there. Tell us about it.
5: Well, of course, obviously now, uh, we were talking off the air, uh, really the only policy that's going on, the only policy that matters at the moment, really, is Internet policy, because everybody's using it to work, and stay home and be entertained, and, you know, go to church, and all of these things are happening online. And, you know, I I didn't even mention it in the piece, but there was a thing last week. It it, it looked like it happened in a vacuum. It looked like it didn't happen during this shutdown where everybody's working at home. It was a host and three left guests all complaining that we need more government Internet and we, we need to take the shackles the federal government has placed on local governments off. And what the, what, what the Trump administration has done is very, very smart. That there's, a, there's, there's a 5% cap on the taxes or the fees local governments can charge ISPs. What happens is an Internet service provider shows up in your area and says, I want to build Internet mm-hmm. or I want to, you know, enhance the Internet we're already delivering. And then the shakedowns start from the local government. They charge them fees. They, they make them give the government free internet and free television. They make them build parks. There's a whole list. There's a great, um, the National Cable and Telecommunications Association actually compiled the list of all the, the, all the stupid things local governments make, uh, ISPs pay for. Right. In order to get permission to, you know, dig the trenches and attach to poles and all of that. Um, it's just sort of, you know, connect this graveyard to the Internet. I don't even know what the hell that was about, but that actually happened somewhere. Wow. But anyway, it, it happens all the time. And The FCC said, okay, there is a 5% cap, but it's now a hard cap. If you want them to build a park or give you free Internet, that now counts towards the 5%. Good. And, and and the left is claiming, and this is what I love, the, the name of alleged federalism, they're claiming this is federal overreach.
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, so, so, so
5: Well, first of all, if you read, the, you know, the, the concept of federalism is the Constitution delineates specific powers to the federal government. Everything else belongs to the states and the people. Well, it's a World Wide Web. So that means clearly we need a federal policy on the internet, because... Right. We need one policy that's coherent, and then we go to the world and, and, and negotiate our interactions with their networks. If you've got 50 different states with 50 different net neutrality policies, and you've got 50 different states with 50 different privacy rules, how can the federal government possibly cobble that together into a coherent position to then go negotiate? Right. It doesn't make any constitutional sense. It doesn't make any rational sense. So what the left did was, during the Obama administration, of course, Obama, then, of course, federal overreach was fantastic. And they imposed net neutrality without Congress, and they were doing all sorts of things without Congress, uh, which is federal overreach by definition. And then, of course, the Obama administration went away. Trump came in. He's deregulating, not regulating. So uh, now, of course, they've shifted, and they're, they're screeching federalism in the completely wrong context. Uh, and wanting the local governments to have more power and more taxing authority and more ability to abuse the the, the private sector, and of course, I, I always love when they you know they overregulate, they overtax, they force you to sue them to get them off. All of which costs a lot of time and a lot of money, and then the left complains that the companies are charging too much money. Yeah, well, so they have to make up all the costs that you're inflicting upon them with government. Well,
2: that's, I think the point is, uh, who pays for that park? Who pays for that government internet service?
5: Ultimately us, of course.
2: Yeah, so all these costs, they think they're so smart by negotiating these deals, and in fact, they're just passing on to the consumer the expenses that they've incurred. Before. And,
5: and, the, and the ISPs have been very quiet about this. They have not made as much of a stink as they should. Because you think about it, this is every city, this is every county. And there's over 1,100 counties in the country, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And they get shaked- shakedowns from every one of them.
2: Yeah. Well, here's the thing, thing too. What we've got this race for 5G, and uh, what's going to happen if we if we're slowed down by these local mu- municipalities and governments trying to negotiate the best deal? Uh,
5: and that's and that's that's of course obviously true. That's that's one of the things that the uh, the Trump FCC cited when they when they put in these rules, the, you know, the capping of the hard five percent. And all that think about that though, five you know, percent I actually read an article that I quoted in the piece where the guy was complaining that the FCC mandated that companies couldn 't i mean the counties or governments couldn 't charge more than it costs to review the permits to to expand the internet, like why would you charge the company more? than the review costs, but oh. they did. Yeah. And this guy's complaining that the, the, the Trump-FCC capped things like that. I mean, it's just absurd.
2: We should be so grateful that uh, President Trump was elected to keep the Internet, as you put it, as, the, as a uh, free market free, sanity. Free
5: market sanity, Yeah,
2: Absolutely. That, that is your phrase. Restoring I think.
5: it from its to its luster, after the awful Obama administration.
2: So let me ask you one final, this is not necessarily pertaining to this topic, but uh, national security being what it is and uh, the cybersecurity and having uh, people be able to attack us. Is there any way in your view, and I know you have studied this carefully, in your view that the government can protect us from those outside intruders uh, without somehow... Well,
5: the the thing is, they mostly do. I mean, you know, it's the Shakespeare, I mean, it's the uh, Sherlock Holmes, the dog that didn't bark. Mm-hmm. We hear about the ones that get through, and normally they're pretty dumb. I mean, they're, you know, as much noise as was made during the 2008 election with all the Russian hackers, the stuff that got through was pretty dumb. Yeah. I mean, it was it was Bernie Bernie Sanders with muscle cartoons on Facebook and and all this, and it really only spent about a hundred grand uh, total. Most of it after the election. The stuff you don't hear about is the stuff that matters. The real serious attacks. We get most of those. I mean, occasionally you'll see, you know, somebody get in private sector too. The private sector gets hacked, and a bunch of uh, data becomes public that shouldn't. And but you know, it's it, they, they don't get as much. I don't think they get as much credit as they deserve for all the things that don't happen because they make sure it doesn't happen.
2: Yeah, well, that, that's absolutely true. And just take a look at what the Russians have done with the Internet and uh, trying to make havoc in different countries, including ours. So.
5: Oh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the, I, they're the ones responsible for saying 5G is poison and going to kill us. And now there's a, even Woody Harrelson tweeted, I, I was going to put this in the article. It was one of my ideas for the article, just the, the impositions of the article, and I didn't end up not using it because it was so silly. That um, people are burning 5G towers, which are little pizza boxes, because they think 5G started the corona virus.
2: Unbelievable. Seton Motley. And Woody
5: Harrelson, the actor, bought into it. He tweeted about it.
2: Seaton <laughs> yes. Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Please visit uh, lessgovernment.org. You can also visit uh, Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, always appreciate your animated and write on comedy uh, co- commentary. Thanks so much for Talk joining you us. both. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. All right. Thank you as well. All right, uh, we're going to find out about tourism here on the Paradise Coast and what we're going to do about it now that the beaches are closed and everything that's going on, coronavirus. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Bob
2: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And, of course, this is after the coronavirus. Visit the website, thefga.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Jack Ward. He is the executive director of the Naples, Marco Island, Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. Jack, thank you so much for joining us.
1: My pleasure, Bob. Good morning.
2: Good morning to you, Jack. I've been looking forward to this conversation because, boy, uh, you just you, it's just amazing how vacant the streets are. Tourism makes a big difference down here, and we've done everything to uh, actually encourage people to go away <laughs> for the last few weeks. So, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, certainly, it it is a new uh, a new era for us. And yes, you're right. Uh, the, Seem uh, people seem really seem to be uh, taking the uh, stay-at-home uh, to heart, and, and so the, the streets are certainly uh, a lot easier to get around than they m- might be this time of year. But uh, it certainly is affecting an awful lot of uh, of our businesses throughout Collier County uh, because virtually everybody uh, gets. Some um, spending, some impact from visitors in, in the destination. And, of course, this is normally our high season, so uh, it, it kind of couldn't ha- have happened at a worse time right. for, uh, for for businesses in our community. But uh, uh, we're... Uh, we're doing our best to trying to keep all of our tourism uh, partners up to speed of uh, what's going on um, and trying to provide them with information that um, that they can pass on to their customers. Uh, we, we just finished a, a new video that we're do, primarily using on, on social media now uh, that Just uh, it's kind of a a good feeling, a good news uh, Mm -hmm. thing. Of uh, uh, we know that uh, you're not ready to travel now, but when you are, we'll certainly be here, and uh, you know the beaches will still be beautiful, and uh, uh, the the eco experiences will be uh, uplifting, and uh, and the the restaurants will be here to serve you great food. So Mm -hmm. uh, we can't do that now, but we certainly can look forward to doing that in the future.
2: Well, that's right, and uh, we typically. During the summer, uh, we we have a lot of visitors from Germany and uh, some of the European countries. Uh, it's it's a little early to start pushing that, isn't it? I mean, to the to the uh, European countries.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's uh, and with no flights coming from Europe uh, oh, into part. our destination, that certainly doesn't uh, give people the opportunity to even travel here, and and so we we've seen those travel restrictions uh, internationally, and it's. It's kind of crept in, obviously, to to our community here as well. But um, what we're doing through our, um, uh, our representatives in Europe and the UK and, and actually in, in Latin America as well is kind of sharing this idea that um, you're not you're not thinking about travel right now, but but you're thinking about what you know you can dream a little bit. So yeah. just kind of planting a seed, not selling at all, just saying. Um, you know, when you're ready, um, what you know about our area will still be here, and and that's uh, waiting for you, and we're waiting for you, and I think the next phase of what we're going to try to do is begin to get some of the people in our industry uh, on on camera to do uh, some short videos, uh, just, uh, you know, like at the at the Naples Zoo, uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, the, the uh, keepers are out there feeding the giraffes. That goes on whether we've got visitors here or not. So you know, a message from them saying we look forward uh, to you coming back and helping us feed the animals. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Just uh, but very soft messaging.
2: Well, see, just for our listeners' benefit, uh, we really count on you, Jack. I mean, you're an important voice out there because tourism means so much to our area, to the restaurants, to the different uh, locations and destinations that we have here on the Paradise Coast. And uh, you're the guy that opens up these markets and helps us uh, get this flow of uh, people coming down here. And as much as we might complain about the traffic when it happens, it really means a lot in terms of sustaining our economy.
1: It really does. And as we've talked in the past, some 40,000 people in our our community are directly or indirectly employed in the hospitality and tourism industry. And with, for the most part, restaurants closed except for carryout, um, you know, that limits that area. A lot of retail is, is shut down. Um, and, and the beaches are closed, so that you know there there aren't a lot of things that you can do here that we people normally can do. But one thing that people, uh, if if they are if they do travel here, and, and there are some, we've we're, we've got about I guess maybe ten percent of our. Capacity filled with people uh, still in hotels uh, and the various accommodations around the community, Um, and um, and actually I want to make sure we we pass along to our uh, listeners too that we are uh, several of our hotels are reaching out to the. uh, medical professional community indicating you know they'd be happy to take them in. We're starting to get some uh, professionals from out of the area huh. to come in and help. We've seen that on the national news. So this is a way that our hotels that are still open and, and have some capacity can maybe help out in this situation.
2: Oh What a great, uh, great thought that is. And, of course, that's needed as well. Uh, I look out the window at the Ritz-Carlton on the beach here. And uh, when I do, it's just vacated. There's nothing going on, and I just—it just occurs to me Whoa, the financial expense, the financial drain on uh, Marriott and uh, the Ritz-Carlton has just got to be amazing. I just think, how do these hotels sustain? How will they make it through this process?
1: Well, it's uh, uh, one thing that I think all of us have going for us is the first couple of months of the year uh really were very strong they were uh, mm. above average in, in the number of visitors and spending and so forth so i think uh if in, in most of our uh hospitality and tourism businesses know this over the years is uh during high season you've got to really put that money away because it is slower in the summer months and and, and so We're hoping that that will help sustain. Certainly, uh, we're facing the same issues because uh, without people here, our tourist development tax revenue is is, uh, really down, and and that's our only source of revenue. So uh, we'll probably at some point have to dip into some reserves that we set aside for times like this uh, because it is once we get back to uh, the the uh, post-pandemic time here, we've really got to put... Put the gas on full, full bore yeah. to really tell people uh, it is okay to come back.
2: Well, absolutely, and it just occurs to me too that uh, source of revenue that uh, you used for your work, which comes from the bed tax, I guess we could call it, uh, that also helps with uh, beach renourishment and a number of other issues as well. So. Uh boy just an interesting point that you're making. We really count on you Jack to uh to make this happen.
1: <laughs> Thank you and, and uh you know we feel so sad because we work with so many of these people uh, in the hotels and attractions and uh shopping the 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 restaurants uh um, you know, some of them are just making it with uh, um, takeout and, and that type of thing. The delivery service has really become a big deal, part of the part of the fabric of, uh, of, of how people are eating these days as well.
2: So. Well, right. Well, we're going to be doing takeout from uh, Blue Provence tonight. He's opened that okay. up for the first time, and it's uh, no contact. In other words, you, you're going to be safe if you go there and pick up your food mm-hmm. and <clears throat> pick up a case of wine or add as well when we're down there so because they ha- offer great wine but in any event it's uh it's a difficult time it's a difficult time for everybody and especially those that have contracted some sort of disease as a result of this uh, fortunately you and i haven't and our listeners haven't hopefully so uh hopefully we'll make it through this process but we can now look at the other side of the canyon and see and have hope and uh, it's out there and uh, we'll just count on you to uh, bring back our tourism
1: well thank you. We'll uh, we'll certainly along with our partners and uh, uh we're we're diligently putting some plans together with both our ad agency and our, our public relations firm to have that plan ready to go uh when when we need it. Uh, and uh, and we're we're beginning to share a lot of stuff with our, like I mentioned earlier, you know, just how to talk to customers. But we're actually providing some of our advertising and so forth that our partners can use as well. Uh, when the time is right, uh, we'll have a united voice.
2: Jack Ward again, Executive Director of the Naples Marco Island uh, Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. Jack, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: My pleasure, Bob. Have a great day.
2: You Thank as well. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, the chairman and of uh, the Cato Institute, and a constitutional scholar we will continue our conversation about uh, the question. Has what is the Supreme Court uh, subverted the Constitution with decisions made since the New Deal? Andrew Joppa will be with us as well, professor at Mercy College, and Larry Bell, Endowed Professor at the University of Houston will join us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
0: Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.